benefit the people who are just getting obscenely rich running these health insurance industry scams from your advantage on, on down to private uh, health insurance. Thanks. You had so many astonishing percentages and other figures. You said that 80% of Americans would have to borrow or beg for cash if they were hit with an unexpected, simple $1,000 expense. Uh, that scares me and I presume our listeners. Can you explain how single-payer health care or Medicare for all help Americans avoid a financial crisis? Well, it pays the bills. <laughs> I mean, it's very straightforward. <laughs> In some countries, you have medical or healthcare systems where there's a small deductible. You know, we may have that here, but right now, most Americans have health insurance policies that have deductibles and copays and whatnot that add up to multiple thousands of dollars a year. And in a country where 80% of the country can't deal with a $1,000 expense, um, half of the country can't deal with a $400 expense, that's just not sustainable. So getting down to the nitty-gritty, you had a pretty radical-sounding solution, have the government buy the insurance companies. How would that work? How would that help? Well, one of the problems that we have right now is the, the Supreme Court has ruled on multiple occasions, Citizens United is the most well-known one, that if a corporation or a billionaire want to massively influence politics or even own a politician, that's not called corruption or bribery, that's called free speech, and it's protected by the First Amendment. As a consequence of that, when you try to take on a giant industry like the health insurance industry, or in this, uh, the one that's playing out right in front of us right now is pharmaceuticals, you've got uh, AARP saying, let's let the government negotiate drug prices for Medicare. And you've got the drug companies running ads on TV right now saying, whoa, if you let that happen, then we're not going to be able to get drugs to people on Medicare, which is just complete BS. So if there or when there is a serious attempt to create Medicare for all, you can bet that the, this industry where you've got a handful of companies, uh, six, eight companies that, that are showing billion dollar quarterly profits, multi-billion dollar quarterly profits, who are paying hundreds of executives more than a million dollars a year. These people will invest a few hundred million dollars or maybe even a billion dollars in a nationwide ad campaign to take down any effort to do this. They did it back when Obama was doing Obamacare. They did it against Hillary Clinton back in, in uh, 83, I think it was, or 93, rather. They will launch war. If you add up the market capitalization of the five or six largest health insurance companies, it comes to just a little over a trillion dollars. By recollection, it's, it's in the book. You've read it more recently. I wrote it a year ago. <laughs> but it's about a trillion, 1.1 trillion, something like that. If we just bought all their stock and said, okay, we own you now, and then just started retiring them and you know closing down their operations and moving it all over to Medicare and reallocating those employees, it may be a kind of a bloodless coup, as it were. It might be a lot more effective than trying to go to war with them and just drive them out of business. What can supporters practically do to make Medicare for all happen? Let your elected officials know that you support it, both at the local level, because I believe a lot of these initiatives are really going to start at, at the state level. Uh, so your state representative and your state senator or assembly person or whatever it may be. And then also let your one member of the House of Representatives and your two senators know. Uh, you know, we're very fortunate here in, in Oregon. You know, I'm represented by Earl Blumenauer. And, and, and of course, we've got uh, Ron Wyden and Jeff Merkley in the Senate. And uh, they are all advocates of single payer. I know that we have, you know, one Democrat who we're not really sure of, but we'll see. 
you know, we'll see. But we, we just need to let people know that this is a priority for us. Importantly, where can readers find a copy of your book? Any bookstore, any online source. It's, it's distributed through all the normal, all the normal channels. Tom, do you have any final thoughts or items we didn't cover that you'd like to? You know, Rahm Emanuel famously said, never let a good crisis go to waste. Here we have this crisis uh, caused by a pandemic, and it's causing people, I think many people for the first time, to realize that personal health and public health are interrelated. We need it. We need uh, Medicare for All or single-payer health care now more than ever. Tom, I want to thank sure. you so much for being on KBU News in depth. Thank you so much for having me. Today we spoke with Tom Hartman, author of The Hidden History of American Healthcare, Why Sickness Bankrupts You and Makes Others Insanely Rich. Powell's Books is hosting an event to help launch the book at 5 p.m. Thursday, September 9th. The virtual event is free to attend. You can find more information and register at powells.com backslash events hyphen update. In the book, Tom described the deplorable state of American healthcare and outlined his fix, Medicare for all. I was particularly struck by a phrase on his website. It is time for America to join every industrialized country in the world to make health a right, not a privilege. Let's hope that happens. For KBU Community Radio, I'm Josh Salem. Thanks for listening. Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Allen Derry, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Hi, my name is Doc Griggs, and I'm a community medicine doctor and health literacy expert. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician, that's me, and a health literacy and communications expert, that's me, talk about what you need to know about COVID-19. You can find more information about this show and our other daily live updates and Q&A show at noisefiltershow.com. So let's get started. The U.S. and other wealthy nations are making it harder for the globe to get vaccines. Oh, goodness gracious. In June, the World Health Organization came up with a plan called COVAX, which would allow countries to pool resources and market power to get better prices on vaccines. This plan, in addition to mitigating the first gamble of vaccine development, ensured equity in global distribution of the vaccine, as there was a list of participating countries that would coordinate. That's right. And to be clear, COVAX, of course, stands for coronavirus vaccine. And we've reported on that multiple times because we do follow that COVAX story. Because remember, where there's coronavirus in even the most remote parts of the world means that there's coronavirus everywhere. So we do need to prioritize the whole globe getting vaccinated. But when vaccine trials did produce positive results, it should come as no shock that richer countries such as the United States began to focus on the pharmaceutical companies themselves for distribution instead. And according to Slate, $7 billion of the $8.2 billion purchased vaccine doses and they were bought without COVAX being part of the process. Now, naturally, this greatly disadvantaged poorer countries as vaccines are still relatively scarce. And the United States bought more than COVAX total purchase of 1.1 billion doses, making up 15% of the total global purchases. Wow. 
In addition to increasing scarcity, departure from COVAX weakened the group's market power. Pharmaceutical companies have no incentive to sell COVAX when they can make larger direct deals with richer nations. In February, the U.S. donated $4 billion to COVAX and made a call for other nations to follow suit. Wealthy nations dealing with pharmaceutical companies also blocks access to the intellectual property of the vaccines. And because they were developed by private companies, the vaccine is their intellectual property. But also, let's be clear, the vaccine actually was initially developed by the U.S. government. So taxpayer dollars. I just Mm. want to make sure clear about that. All right. While some argue that this increases innovation in the industry, it also prevents generic vaccines. Generics could increase supply and make the vaccine more widely available, but they would also drive the price down. So it is unlikely that private companies will do this. And as new variants begin cropping up more often, the vaccination needs of every nation are changing. Yeah, as poor nations struggle to get doses at all, there is a mounting need for boosters and seasonal vaccination. To ensure a safer globe, vaccine distribution must become more equitable as more types of doses develop. Truer words have, <laughs> haven't been spoken, right? Yeah. That is so incredibly important. And, and as we've done here on COVID Noise Filter, we will definitively continue to follow the COVAX story. Citizen Science. As stifling as quarantining and isolating has been during the coronavirus pandemic, there has been some silver linings, and we love silver linings here on COVID Noise Filter. Now, the pandemic has caused a huge increase in participation in citizen science. Now, who doesn't love that? We love it when you all get involved with science. Now, citizen science is where people without specialized or scientific training collect data out in the world or perform simple data analysis online to help scientists. And let me just say this, thank you to all of you who do that. Because citizen science contributes to and accelerates the work that scientists can do. Early in the pandemic, citizen science platforms like Zooniverse or SciStarter, where scientists asked the public to analyze their data online, started blowing up with incoming data. It serves as a form of crowdsourcing and gives people the opportunity to contribute to science while also meeting and working with new people. Now, one example of a Zooniverse project asked participants to classify animals in images from wildlife cameras. Zooniverse reported that 200,000 participants contributed to 5 million classifications of images in one week alone, the equivalent of 48 years of research. And citizen scientists are also contributing to coronavirus research as well. Because researchers at Carnegie Mellon University set up a platform where volunteers can help artificial intelligence predict the spread of the coronavirus. Researchers at the University of Washington enlisted people to contribute to COVID-19 drug discovery using a computer game where they experimented with designing proteins that could attach to the virus that causes COVID-19 and prevent it from entering cells. So, the top three reasons that citizen scientists gave when asked why they want to spend hours looking at the data were, one, wanting to contribute to meaningful science, two, 
wanting to enjoy pleasant distraction from everyday life. Now, who doesn't want that? And three, wanting to be part of a supportive community. Yes, we love you in the scientific community. We welcome you and embrace you with open arms. Now, the coronavirus quarantine has intensified that. Experts on solitude say it's vital for people to have a sense of purpose, to get through isolation, and distraction helps as well. What better way to be distracted than by looking at beautiful images or working on ways to help end the pandemic? Such a great story, and thank you all who have been helping us out with the coronavirus and helping to examine data. We so, so, so gratefully appreciate it. Thank you. How Dr. Fauci's experiences with the HIV AIDS epidemic helped him deal with the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, throughout the pandemic, Dr. Anthony Fauci has become a prominent figure in everybody's life, regardless of the profession or orientation with healthcare and public health. Dr. Fauci has been a crucial navigator throughout the COVID-19 pandemic for the American public. And I also may add that, yes, he has made infectious diseases doctors cool again. Well, it may be strange to think about Dr. Fauci outside of the context of COVID-19, especially for those who aren't very well acquainted with the public health profession. But Dr. Fauci has had a long, trying, and successful career for many years before the pandemic dealing with other public health concerns. Dr. Fauci worked with the National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, a division of the National Institutes for Health, in Bethesda, Maryland. His contributions to various projects had outstanding results. He helped develop treatments for diseases that were once fatal and went on to have great outcomes and high rates of remission, including a form of vasculitis, which is an autoimmune disease. In the 1980s, Dr. Fauci was an integral piece of research treating HIV when little known was about the virus. Dr. Fauci recalled a 15-year period where there was no effective treatments for HIV, and unfortunately, many of our patients died. But Dr. Fauci went on to take the top position at the National Institutes for Health. He used his position to heavily advocate for NIH funding and to support research in HIV. Dr. Fauci found innovative ways to work with HIV activists and facilitate productive partnerships. Dr. Fauci's experience working in research to treat people living with HIV did prime him to handle the COVID-19 vaccine, specifically facing many issues of uncertainty about the virus and lack of information in the early stages and not having highly effective or specific treatments available. His experiences have made him a perfect candidate to navigate to the U.S. during the COVID-19 pandemic. And Dr. Fauci, we would love to have you on the show. We know that you listen to this show. No, we don't but we pretend that you do. We know that you listen to the show. We would love to have you call in. We would love to have you join us on air. Uh, and uh, we would love to actually read that story for you. And as somebody who's been an HIV doctor for the past 20 plus years, I just want to say thank you for all your work. Just as a reminder that COVID-19 and the human immunodeficiency virus do share the same risk factors. Doc Griggs, Thanks for listening to the Noise Filter Daily Podcast. Remember, get checked, get fit, get moving. And remember to get some rest to boost your immune system. And Doc, protect yourself and others by staying home and please wear masks when you go outside. Remember, health is a human right.
This is Bill McKibben coming at you on KBOO, Portland, Oregon. I love listening to KBOO to experience music and news and public affairs that I can't find anywhere else. I'd like to hear more of that and less membership drive pitching. I know I'm not the only one. You can help us shorten our upcoming membership drive by texting KBOO to 44321 or go to kboo.fm slash give. This fall's theme is Sounds of Democracy. Make your voice heard by becoming a KBOO member today.